Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for a very victorious post-game show where the Steelers come from behind in dramatic fashion and beat the Buffalo Bills on the road in Orchard Park, 23-16. to What a game. We have a lot to talk about, but first let me introduce the rest of the crew. Brian Anthony Davis, what's going on, Brian? Where am I? I have no idea. Are there IVs in my arm? Am I in a coma? Did I just see what I just saw? Did the Pittsburgh Steelers just beat the Buffalo Bills? Were they supposed to? No, nobody said they were. I even didn't think they'd do it. Woo. All right, let's go to Dave Schofield. What's up, Dave? Um, Hey, I'm flying high. I will say this. There were many things about this game that I was wrong. Many things about this game that I was right in how it played out, but the biggest thing is this was the first time the Pittsburgh Steelers won a game where they were six and a half point underdogs or more since December 2nd, 2012 in Baltimore. This is a big one. This really is a big one. Absolutely. And Sean Manahan gave us $2 right out of the gate. Thank you, Sean. He said, how about them Steelers? Absolutely. And I do have to say that I was the only person I believe on the staff to pick the Steelers to win this (laughs) game. I said 27, 24 on a Boswell kick. Wasn't the correct score, but I said take the Steelers, especially getting six and a half. I thought they'd keep it close no matter what. Go ahead, Dave. Well, what I was going to say is I picked that I thought the Bills would score 17 points. They scored 16. And I said the only question would be if the Steelers can get enough points to win or if they don't. And I just didn't have the confidence. But you know what? Special teams came through. Yep. There it was. There you go. And uh, Tom Muir gives us $2. Says, want to know, boys, here we go. Steelers, here we go. A fan base should be ecstatic. It wasn't pretty, but they make it count when it matters the most. Wes Hickok gives us $5. His paying my debts shocked. UG3 stuck around. What a play. Technically, he was the beneficiary of the um, Miles Killebrew play, but he was the one that picked up the football, ran it in for the special teams touchdown. Um, so, all right, let's let's keep going. We have some more uh, Super Chats. We'll get these out of the way. First, Brandon Reese gives us four ninety nine. Thank you very much. His growing pains, but our offense will be tough by week four. The offense, I think, will improve. We're going to talk about that a lot. But the defense, goodness gracious. I mean, how good were they? I mean, that was remarkable. Let's do knee-jerk reactions first, as we typically do. I want to apologize first, by the way. Our post-game podcasts were absolutely awful in the preseason, um, <laughs> mainly because they were. I'm going to call a spade a spade, mainly because I think they were late and then also because it's preseason. But this is a regular season. Well, it was back. late at night. You're right. I know. Exactly what I meant. All right. So, Brian, knee-jerk reaction. Go ahead. What was it? As the podcast producer, I I will say, no, Jeff is wrong because they were all great. In fact, go back and listen to them again and give us the downloads. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) My knee-jerk reaction to this is, wow, this team continues to know something that we don't know. When the Colin Cowards say that this team is eight and nine, when the Brian Anthony Davises say that, hey, I think that this is a special team, but they're going to lose 30 to 24. This team knew. This team knew what they could do. Even, I don't think they were panicking in the first half. And that's a special thing because Ben Roethlisberger said something very poignant this week. He said, there are going to be growing pains. This offense is not going to just storm out right off the bat. It's going to take some time. That makes me wonder is if that's the product of the preseason. You said our podcast weren't very good in the preseason. The Steelers' offense was not very good in the preseason either. There's growing pains to go all along. So I always say 
when we get through, get to the regular season, week one always scares me because they never come out of the gate strong. They finish strong. Again, we've got to deal with the tale of two halves. That's fine as long as it was the right half. Absolutely. Let's go to Dave. What was your knee-jerk reaction, Dave? My knee-jerk reaction was comes right back to what I said as my closing thoughts on the Steelers preview. And that was, you know, even if you had the Steelers pick to win 12 games this year, this was probably a game that you did not have them pegged to win. You know, Jeff picks the Steelers every week because that's what he does. And if he didn't, I would be furious. He has to. He has to pick them. If he doesn't, I am going to, I'm going to, I'm throwing down the headphones and I'm walking out. Okay. If Jeff ever doesn't pick the Steelers, (laughs) they'd be facing Jeff. They'd be, I mean, Dave, they'd be facing the Taliban and Jeff would say, you know, the Steelers are going to pull this one out. Exactly. You know, the the Steelers were going to, but if you go back, even at the beginning of the season, none of us, when we did game by game predictions, none of us had them win in this game. Hardly anyone had them win in this game. Even if you had the, the most optimism for the season, because this was a tough game. And I said, but if the Steelers pull it off, look out. Look out. And that's what I have to say now. Look out. The defense is for real. We'll break that down a little bit more. The offense, yes, it looked awful at halftime. I even put a tweet out there that said, Steelers have some cap space. Can they sign someone for the offensive line during during halftime? You sound like Michael Beck. Exactly. Yeah, I think he, he retweeted me and responded and everything. I, I did that thinking like Michael Beck. So, But if you also realize that, the, do you realize that other than taking a knee to end the game, the Steelers scored on every possession in the second half. They I had no points at halftime and scored on every possession in the second half. That's what you want to see an improvement. Let's get into it. I'm ready to go. What's your knee-jerk reaction, Jeff? Well, Joel Campbell gave us $2 in a super chat and said, want to know, baby, player of the game. Joel, we'll stay tuned. We're going to get to that for sure. Steel Dog uh, 88 gave us $5. Said for all the NFL analysts out there, they uh, they can you know what. <laughs> yeah, I think we know what you're talking about. Um, and honestly – my knee-jerk reaction wasn't so much about the the game itself. It was tremendous. It was the it was the fan base. Man, my mentions were blowing up. But this team sucks. This team's awful at halftime. Like I kept on saying, like no one said this season was going to be easy. No one said this team this game was going to be easy. I was the one that I did several podcasts. I felt like talking about this is going to be a rough road. Like it's not going to be a smooth sailing. You know, think back to 2014, 2015, when things just offensively were just like clicking on all cylinders. It's not going to be that. If you're someone that can't stomach a game like today, then you might want to turn in your black and gold terrible towel, like seriously, and just say, because it's going to be a rough road. It's yeah. going to be moments like this. So keep that in mind. Our super chats are going berserk right now. Let's yeah. get to all these. Wilson PAVA said, a Pava, I'm not sure. Sorry. 740s and Sack Streak. Sack Streak, 74. Oh, that's why. Yep, I got you. Uh, Offense Canada looks promising. We have big guys in the Ben Najee chase on offense. TJ deserves his money, and Tomlin is all over the D. Good day. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Shield 91, $5. Shout out to Jeff and BTSC for keeping me updated on this game. I might not have seen it, but I sure felt it. Here we go, Steelers. He was traveling, and he told me. I said, I'll do my best. Hopefully, we pulled through for you. Tyler W. Give us $5. Our outside linebacker group. Better? Whoa. Uh, Bud Dupree, who? Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. They Kyle got today. Kyle's, yeah, they did. Kyle Smith, $5, is dancing on the NFL experts' opinions and picks. Cam Sutton was entirely worth the money. I love this game. Even the TD was close coverage. We are going to dive into all these. And my gosh, there's another one. Mm-hmm. David Poe, I'm assuming it's how you say it, $5, pass rush with Alu, Alu-Alu, Hayward, Watt, Highsmith, Ingram were outstanding. This Steelers defense 
if they can duplicate this over the course of 17 games, and that requires a lot, it requires mm-hmm. health and all that stuff, it might be one of the best defenses the Steelers have ever put on the field. And I'm going to say that if they can stay healthy, I believe that 100%. Captain Underpants says, gives us $2. Let's freaking go. 1-0 feels so good. Absolutely, it does. It feels better than last year. You know, Last year, they went on Monday Night Football against the Giants. It was kind of like a meh performance. No, there's no preseason. No one knew what to expect from Ben Roethlisberger. This game, completely different. We're going to break it down. Oops, sorry. <laughs> One at a time. <laughs> Let's go to the box score, and we're going to do this the way we used to. Grades. We're going to grade by position group. But first, Dave Dixon gives us $5. Offense did enough to win. The turnover battle, defense, and special teams were huge. You have to, hey, takes all three phases. Takes all three phases. So let's go to the Steelers quarterback as we always start. Ben Ron- Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, 18 of 32. Those attempts, 32. 188 yards, one touchdown, no picks, two sacks, 11 for 11 yards, and 83.9 rating. Brian, what grade do you give BTR? Let me go ahead and give BTR a B minus. Uh, grades are always tough for me. You know, you know that. So we'll call him B minus T are today uh, just for the fact that there were some things in the first half that just looked ugly but the way he adjusted in the second half and I thought I think a lot of people were about to go nuts when he threw the interception that it wasn't and it was pointed out by the national telecast on CBS that he saw the flag he just threw that ball because he knew he could and if that's true, that's awesome. I also heard something from the national analyst that say that Ben likes to throw bad passes in practice just to make sure that his players could go and get that. And I was thinking that's classic A plus BTR because he's going to say, yeah, I threw that ball bad on purpose. So that just rem- that's perfect, Ben. But the thing about it in the second half, after my friends called me, you you were talking about looking at the waiver wire for an offensive lineman. My friends were trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, uh, <laughs> at, at halftime. And I'm like, guys, relax on that part. But here's what I was thinking with Ben. He became classic Ben. He ran the ball on a scramble for a very key play. He was able to, he threw that beautiful ball to Deontay Johnson. He, he threw some bad stuff, but ultimately he was the charge that led that game on offense, and it was Ben alone. So I'm going to just, with less than 200 yards, no interceptions, that's a big deal. I'm still going to be in that B range, so B minus. All right, let's get to this first. Uh, William Weathersby gives us five Canuck bucks. Says, really, though, ESPN and every guy on Serious Mad Dog channels, I am a listener of that channel, so I know who you're talking about, said we would lose. They were kissing Josh Allen's derriere. We'll Took us. That way. <laughs> Took us. He said, I can't wait to see their response. Yeah, you probably won't hear much about it. It didn't go, to the, it didn't go with their narrative, so they're probably not going to talk about the Steelers too much. But, Dave, great BTR's performance, would you please? Okay, Brian took the grade right out of my mouth with a B minus. I just want to say this 12 of 20, 130 yards, one touchdown, no sacks, 95.8 passer rating in the second half. Say those numbers again, please. 12 of 20, okay. 130 yards, one touchdown, no sacks, 95.8 rating. That's second half stats. That's important. Yeah. Very good. You see, you gave B minus as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, the first half. Wasn't good for the offense, period. Yeah. So, 54 I mean, so, total yards. <laughs> but he, he he came back and, like I said, let them on a yeah. scoring drive every time they had the ball, unless they're in victory formation. 
I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a C plus. I just felt that he was inaccurate at times. It felt like in the first half he was uh, not comfortable with the fact that he doesn't have that line that's going to be able to give him that nice cushy pocket, and at least not yet, anyways. In the second half, he looked more comfortable on the move. He looked more comfortable in the setting that he was in. It's going to take time. Like, that's what we said. It's going to. I'm going to go C plus though. I thought Ben could have been better, especially there were some throws where you're just kind of like, man, that was just a bad throw. I think one third down to Deontay Johnson where he overthrew him by it looked like five to ten yards. <laughs> um, even the pass to Najee Harris down in the red zone. I know that Najee kind of didn't get his keep his feet moving. It looked really awkward, but it was a high throw. Like, mm-hmm. We expect better from Ben, so I'm going to hold him to that standard. So I'm going to keep it at a C plus. Let's get to yeah. some super chats. Ivan Doria gives us is that a euro. Is that a euro? Is it no. two euros? What know. is that? Anyways, he said thanks for all the great content. Hashtag here we go. Thank you very much, Ivan. We appreciate it. Um, Snowman gives us five dollars. His defense saved our butts, and the offensive finally woke up. Go Steelers! Absolutely. Thank you for the tip, Snowman. We appreciate it. Let's go to the running game. Najee Harris finishes sixteen of forty-five, two point eight yard average. Blech. Uh, no touchdowns. Chase Claypool one for twenty-five yards. Uh, they end up rushing for seventy-five yards on twenty-one carries for a three point six yard average. Brian Anthony Davis grade the running game. I want to correct something, and it's not a correction. I just want to add a footnote to that whole Najee box score. If you look at the stat in the second half, he was over four yards per carry in the second half. You're taking my thunder, Brian. Come on, that's my thing. Yell yell at Hartman, man. He he goes to you first. Why are you yelling at me? What did I do? He goes to me first. (laughs) Okay, I um, actually, Najee was good. Yeah. Um, Dave will tell you more about <laughs> give, give us, give what's us the your, grade. Um, give us the grade. I I still have to give him a C, but a C with a C with an upside. Okay, Dave. Now remember, this is the running game, not just Najee Harris. So keep that in mind. Go yeah, ahead. I'll go. I'll go C plus, like the end around. But just to know, just like I did with Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, Najee Harris in the second half had nine carries for thirty-seven yards with a long of 18, with, which was an average of 4.1. It was it, The offense was definitely a tale of two halves, so um, you can't ignore the first half. You've got to play a complete game. But I really like what they did in the second half, so it was improved. And, I mean, I a lot of the woes with, with him running, it's not all him. It also has to go with the run blocking. Absolutely. The running game, I'm going to give them a D plus. I'm going to give them some harsher grades today. Just you expected more. This was supposed to be the aggressive Adrian Clem offensive line, and they were getting pushed around in the first half. The second half, they kind of got their footing. Again, I'm grading performance, uh, not not so much where they're going to be. This isn't a damning performance for the rest of the season. Connor, Conradi gives us 490. And what he said yeah, was, they, what can Steelers do to get Najee Harris going? Line isn't great. Maybe some counters, misdirection plays. I wanted to answer this one anyway. Go ahead, Dave. Because what I had said, I'm pretty sure it was in the preview. Maybe it was I, in one of the shows I do. That if the line is bad, they need to be able to get him the ball out in space with some maybe some passes. But And I was I got to watch this game with my dad. And I said to him that I that I had said this before. And I said, the problem is, the passes to Najee have not been good. So it was really difficult to get him in those open spaces in the passing game when a couple of those opportunities, uh, the pass was offline. Right. 
Okay, so let's go in. But while we're talking about the running game, let's also talk about the offensive line's run blocking. We do like to label the offensive line in two different facets. One is a run blocker. One is a pass protector. Um, Let's talk about the run blocking part of the offensive line right now. Brian, if you're giving a grade to the O-line in terms of run blocking, what are you giving them? I'll go ahead and give them a a C minus. Um, But... I really like the fact that they pulled it together in the second half. Najee's uh, Najee's problems in the beginning were, I think, were less Najee and more the offensive line. As they gel, they're getting better. But rough start for them, but a lot of hope in the second half. Dave, grading the offensive line from a run-blocking standpoint. From a run-blocking standpoint, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a D-plus and the reason they get a plus is because they improved some in the second half, but it's still the weak spot, not of this offense, but of this team is the offensive line. I'm going to go with a D just a straight up D. I thought that it was, it could have been better. Again, this was the part of the offensive line. We thought they would improve upon not so much because everyone was talking about this off scene, but because we thought of if they're going to struggle anywhere, it's going to be in pass protection. So uh, I, I thought it was, a D we'll give it a straight up D uh, Mark Davison of the touchdown under podcast. He gives us five dingo dollars and says, good morning, gents. What's the best way to celebrate chicken and waffles or steak and eggs. Here we go. Steelers. Let's go steak and eggs for me. 10 out of 10 times. Like I'm not a chicken and waffles guy. Just so we're clear. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I want to cross answer that. And I want to say chicken and steak. <laughs> no eggs at all. Just chicken no, and steak. Chicken okay. and steak. Very good. Sean Manian said uh, $2 bills sold out against the run. They did. They dared the Steelers to throw the ball and the Steelers throw it or and throw it beyond the line of scrimmage. You know, well, it was also the fact that the Steelers couldn't. We're going to talk about this here in a second. The Steelers didn't trust. I don't think Ben did either. I don't think Matt Canada did either. Trust the Steelers to pass protect Ben in a everyone's like play action, throw it down the field. They they felt like they couldn't protect him well enough. Yeah. to do that in my opinion especially in the first half in the second half they got creative i think that's worth it uh noting and uh let me bring this up gabriel golden gave us five dollars and no comment Here it is. so up oh, you got it yep perfect um tj watt as long as the o-line keeps improving the offense gets a new playbook down as the season goes along this is going to be a great season thank you for the tip gabriel we appreciate it um geez dave get off Take it off, Dave. Uh, I, I did, and you brought it back <laughs> up. I just thought, well, yeah, let's go to the receiving core now. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster leads with four for 52. Chase Claypool, three for 45. Deontay Johnson, five for 36 for a nifty touchdown. Fryermuth, one for 24. Ebron, one, one for 19. They had, uh, wow, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players targeted, and they all had a reception. What do you guys think of the receiving core? Brian, go ahead. I want to give this receiving core an A minus. I tell you what, they didn't do anything to uh, go crazy and break the game wide open, but they didn't have the opportunities. But I don't know what the stats are on drops, but I don't recall a drop. If there was one, it was knocked out. I, I don't know how that how that stat actually works out because everybody differs on that, but there was nothing egregious. The Deontay Johnson catch was absolutely spectacular. If the uh, if the Steelers did misconnect, it was probably more or less on Ben at that point than it was on the receivers. When they had a step up with a big catch, the stuff that Juju did 
not spectacular in the box score, but Juju did some amazing things. Chase Claypool with that fantastic catch. Fryermuth, Ebron, all with big catches in this game. Uh, I like the I like what the receivers and the pass catchers did in this game. All right, Dave, go ahead. Your opportunity to grade the pass catchers. Yeah, I'm going A. I mean, the only thing that's keeping it from an A plus is you know I wouldn't call that one a drop that some people might complain about with Deontay Johnson. He was re- reaching up and it hit his fingertips. You know, that would have been a really big, you know, it was towards the sideline, towards the screen, we'll say that, um, if you're watching on TV. So that one would have been really tough. Uh, There was a couple times that they didn't seem on the same page early in the game. Don't know if that was on the receiver or on on Ben. Other than that, you're right. They were coming down with the big plays. And, I mean, the catch by Deontay to have that focus, the the Chase Claypool one. I mean, even James Washington comes in when Deontay Johnson goes out and they throw it to him right away. And 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 what do you get on that on that play? Um, what like nine yards yeah. when they threw it to him behind the line of scrimmage? It was fantastic. Um I, I'm not complaining about the receivers at all. Uh so what was your grade? Oh, I A. Okay. I'm gonna give them an A as well. Um it, when the Steelers needed to move the ball, it threw the air. It was like you said, it was never the the receiver's fault, and it just was great to see when they started connecting. Like when Pat Fryermuth had the big catch and run, Ebron with a huge third down conversion, Juju had some great conversions. Those are the plays you have to have, and so it was a great outing. I thought by the pass catchers, they were spreading the love around, which is what we love to see. Steel Dog eighty eight gives us two dollars. His thoughts on JC talking about JC Hass now are coming in for Kendrick Green for a few plays. Uh, do you all see that? I know Dave, you yes, did. Yeah. What do you all think of that? Do you think well, it was an injury? No, I think I saw one report where they're saying it seemed like Green was getting a little bit too chippy with some of the bills. Like I think he played one play in a, a, to start the second half, and then JC came in, and then Green was back out there later. That it, someone reported on Twitter it might have been that he was getting a little bit pushy and shovey with some of the players, and they just wanted to maybe calm him down. I don't know if that was true or not, but um, whatever it was, it, it seemed to work all right. Brian, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I do. You know, if he is, uh, you know, a young guy with a hot head could really cost you. And so if that's a coach's move by saying, Hey, we like what you're doing, but simmer down there, buddy, mm-hmm. bring in a Hass and uh, mm-hmm. then put him back in. You learn from that. Cause all right, I've got another chance. Yeah. I've got to calm my mm-hmm. stuff down. He's getting frustrated. If you listen to his interviews, he gets frustrated. Um, and sometimes he wants to lash out a little bit. Tom Muir gives us $5, says receivers B plus DJ and Ben weren't on the same page most of the game. Everyone else was ready to play. I agree with that. All right, let's go to the offensive line in terms of pass protection. Brian, go ahead and give a grade in that regard. You know what? I will go ahead and give uh... – let's just go with a C on that, you know, because they held up for most of the game, but Ben was getting knocked around that, that fumble that was purely on Dan Moore, but Dan Moore really calmed down after that. Um, I don't think he gave anything else up after that. So let's go ahead and uh, just give him a solid C because there was enough time for Ben to get those passes to those receivers. So I'm just going to go down the middle. All right, Dave, what about you? Yeah, I'm not going to give them as high of a grade. I'm going to probably go with the D because they weren't getting the job done enough to do what they really wanted to do, if you know what I mean. Like Jeff was saying, oh, can you run the play action? No, you didn't really have time. They were 
The Steelers adapted to what the line was able to do. And I'm going to tell you this, the line should have adapted more because if they were paying one bit of attention during the game to see that the only way that the Bills players were having any kind of pass blocking was to hold every player on every play and make them throw the flag because they would they get flagged for five or six times holding. It could have been every pass play. Double digits. It could have been every pass play. So my thing is, is if they're going to let you hold, if they're going to let the other team hold, hold. You know, if that's what you got to do. But that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying a little bit tongue in cheek, but my point is they did, the Steelers had to adjust for the lack of pass blocking. And I don't want that to be the case. I want the pass blocking to do better, but I do believe that this is a group that, although, like I said, they're the weakest link on the team, in my opinion, it's not that they don't, that there's no chance of improvement. And they only surrendered two sacks. Yeah. Two sacks for 11. Ben was flushed out of the pocket on more than one occasion. He had some great plays getting rid of the ball. I'm going to give him a D. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Moore looked like a turnstile in the first half a couple times. I mean, mm-hmm. this is his first time probably going against legitimate starters in the NFL for four quarters. And it looked like it. A lot of those rookies, I felt, looked like it. I thought that Najee Harris had a, several. Hey, welcome to the NFL. Dave, what's that? What they started that? five rookies, not counting yeah. Presley Harvin, because Trey Norwood technically got the start on defense because he was out there the first snap. Fairmuth was out there the first snap. They started not just five rookies, five draft picks, not yeah. counting their seventh round punter. Trey Norwood essentially starting at the seventh round pick. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And look what the defense did with it. Well, hold on. We're not the defense yet. Sorry. Well, but it, unless he sucks, <laughs> like that's amazing. Yeah. But I, I want to finish up the offensive side of this podcast which is part one with someone I think we have to talk about. And that's because it was his first time calling plays in the NFL and that's Matt Canada. So we saw some second half adjustments. Clearly you saw offensive production, mm-hmm. not just point totals. Cause remember special teams contributed a touchdown Brian in the first time seeing Matt Canada's offense. And we know this is not what it's going to look like for the rest of the season. You don't have to grade him. I just want to get your thoughts on Matt Canada's first game as a play caller. Go ahead. One thing I think that Matt Canada does very well, even in his entire career, he adjusts to the situation very well. And he did that at North Carolina State, at Pitt, everywhere he's been, Maryland. He takes the personnel that he has, and he's very good at analyzing the situation and rolling with the punches, something that Randy Land never really did. Randy Land had a game plan, and he stuck with it come hell or high water because he had to. Matt Canada is good enough to be able to do that. So I thought with what you saw in the second half was definitely adjustments made. They looked like a different team when they came out in the second half. That's coaching to me. That's what you're getting with Matt Canada. We said on Factor Fiction yesterday that, hey, you are not going to get fireworks right off the bat. It's going to take a while to light that spark. It did, but I could see an inferno coming, my friends. Hope you're right. Dave, what were your thoughts on Matt Canada? Yeah, Brian hit the nail on the head, as did you. It was the halftime adjustments that we haven't seen on offense for three years. The whole notion, you know, other than just Ben taking over, that it didn't seem, I mean, they were still running their offense, but just enough to succeed. You know, Jeffrey Benedict, I think, was who just said it in the live chat or on the Slack chat somewhere. He said it. That's like, when's the last time the Steelers won the adjustment battle at halftime, you know, but they did here. I mean, think about it. They were down 10 to nothing and one by, you know, they were down 10 and one by seven. That's a 17 point swing in the second half, but the offense 
looked looked better, but didn't. It wasn't like oh, we're just going to have put Ben in shotgun and have him dump off every time. It wasn't. It wasn't something that it's sim- that was simple that they just did the same thing over and over because the other team couldn't stop it. They were still doing other things with the offense, but adjusted in a way to where they could be more successful. I agree. I thought Matt Canada did a good job. I thought that he was someone that. Well, quick question, Dave, and this is, I don't know if you know the answer to the NFL. Okay. Does a coach that calls plays in the boot, do they get down to the locker room at halftime or do they stay there? In the NFL, That's what I, I mean, have yeah. no idea. I couldn't tell you. All Brian, I know, do you know? I would imagine that they don't. In high school, they do. I know in high school, yeah. that's like a walk down the steps and you're yes. in the locker room. So, <laughs> this that's, is, I mean, I mean, that's all I've, I don't have any NFL coaching well, experience. I only have high school coaching experience. Let's just put it this way. Do you remember, uh, you might not remember this, but back in the, uh, with the Immaculate Reception, Myron Cope was in the elevator. And so yeah. was Art Rooney because Art Rooney went, down to console them because it takes that long to get downstairs so you know i would imagine that being in the nfl um it's a long way down and you only have 15 minutes for halftime i would imagine 12 i'm sorry i would imagine that you don't get back up yeah i was banking on the 15 realized it was 12 and missed the first couple plays of the second half (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to lose a super chat here george gives us two dollars says all three phases of the game gets us the win absolutely all three phases contributed it wasn't always pretty uh we'll put it that way and then um okams occam's ox occam's ox i'm sorry (laughs) gives us dollar 99 said kevin colbert a plus Yes, indeed. Uh, there's yeah. still a lot to be deciphered there, but Especially absolutely. On defense. We got to talk about that. Speaking of defense, we're going to talk about that right after this break. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, don't go anywhere because we're not going anywhere. If you're listening on the audio platform, head over to part two where we'll talk about the defense and special teams. Be right back. Today. 